Loving Father, we pray that as we come to your word, uh, you'd be at work by your Holy Spirit, shaping us and changing us to be more and more like your Son, Jesus, that we might glorify you all the more. Uh, we ask this all to your praise and glory. Amen. Please be seated. I uh, saw the uh, movie Dunkirk on uh, Wednesday. I've been wanting to see it for a long time and finally got to see it. And it reminded us uh, that many of us are thankful to grow up in a generation where we've not lived through a world war. Uh, we only see the after effects of people who fought valiantly to bring peace. Uh, others of us know well what it is to live through a world war. Uh, I remember Dad would always tell stories. Uh, he grew up in the Midlands of England and uh, I, I do remember once tears welled up in his eyes as he spoke of German uh, planes flying overhead and having to run home. Such was his fear and panic. Uh, and he was only a boy. He would talk about townsmen who would rally at the local needle factory at uh, Redditch uh, lights out when it was uh, dark time, curtains were drawn, they'd hide under the stairs. There were gas masks at school and uh, the, the family Draycott story is that of course that Grandad uh, spent one night out at a major crossroads in Studley uh, armed with a broom handle waiting for a jerry to fall out of the sky. Uh, did you know that we are also engaged in warfare? We are engaged in a warfare. We are on the front line of a battle. Uh, a battle is being waged for people's souls. And we're on the battlefield. Uh, and the enemy, the enemy is relentless and seeks to take as many hostages as he can. We are being assaulted from every direction. We are under siege even. And this is an enemy that will attack us where we are weakest. And this is an enemy that's really good at zeroing in on our weaknesses and exploiting them. So what are we to do? How are we to prevail? Well, as we come to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, we are told... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. How can we be strong in the Lord? It goes on to say, verse 11, put on the full armour of God. Why do we put on the full armour of God? Verse 11, so that we can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Verse 12, for our struggle is a spiritual one. It's not uh, a battle of flesh and blood like we might think of a war. Uh, this is a spiritual battle. It's against the rulers and authorities and the powers of this dark world. It's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, again, verse 13, put on the full armour of God so that... When the day of evil comes, when that time of trial comes around, 
When the doctor's results come in and it's not good. When the police knock on the door with bad news. Or the phone rings. Or on the day your superannuation just vaporises. Or on the day you sell most of your stock because there's no feed. Or worse, you have to spend the day shooting them and burying them. On the day some mongrel fox eats your best leghorn. Or on the day you lose your job. Or you come home to find your home has been robbed. On the day your husband walks out. Or on the day uh, family relationships are wrecked. Or your child brings shame on your family. On the day we lose a teenager on our roads. Or a flood or a fire has paved a path of destruction. On a day relationships suffer and strain. On the day of suffering or a trial or tragedy or hardship. On a day of evil, the encouragement is, verse 11... To stake your stand. Verse 13, stand your ground. And after you've done everything, verse 14, stand firm. The Apostle Paul wants us to be stood strong. The other week was all about walking, wasn't it? Walk this, walk, walk, walk. Today, we are to stand. Make no mistake, Satan longs to have a piece of us. Christian life is not a leisure. It's not even hard work. Quite simply, it's a war. And it's a dirty war because there are no rules. There's no United Nations here. This is a subversive war because even little things, the tiny niggly things, can ultimately bring us down. And we might wonder, well, why do you think the powers of darkness want to wage war against us? Well, Colossians chapter 2 is interesting. If I read from verse 13, uh, Colossians 2 verse 13, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Well, that's good news. Verse 15, and having disarmed, what did he do on the cross? Verse 15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Powers of darkness? No, they've already lost. They've been disarmed. And their defeat is a public spectacle. It's a humiliation to be rendered powerless by the cross of Christ of all things. A symbol itself of weakness and humiliation. To have that turned upside down in victory, it's, it's like winning a boxing match with two broken arms. Actually, it's much, much bigger than that. But you get the idea. It's not real likely. It would be a public spectacle to lose to such an opponent, to lose in the face of such apparent weakness. But that's what Jesus has done in his victory on the cross. And so, in turn, the enemy's goal is to take as many casualties as they can with them to the pit of eternal hell. 
And God's purpose is now through the church, his manifold wisdom would be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So what happens here matters up there. Now, what are some of the devil's schemes? Well, he has many. The first is divide and conquer. And if he can put a wedge between us and our fellow brothers and sisters, he will at any opportunity. He'll appeal to our selfishness, our preferences, our pride, our insecurities. Any opportunity to bring division, the devil will seize it. He prowls like a lion. But the other scheme he has is as really as old as Adam. He wants us to doubt God's word. He wants us to say, does God really say, does God really mean that? And so what are we to do? How are we to protect ourselves? And the answer, of course, is put on the full armour of God. Verse 14, the belt of truth buckled around the waist. Verse 14, the breastplate of righteousness. We heard about this from Isaiah 59, just read out for us. Verse 15, feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Verse 16, a shield of faith which extinguishes arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Notice something very important here. Again, as we read in Isaiah 59, this is God's armour. This is God's armour that he avails to us. And he tells us to wear it, to put it on. Uh, sometimes uh, I've heard this text explained uh, in minute detail where the helmet guards the mind and the breastplate covers the heart and they, it becomes a little allegorical. I want to say to you, I think Paul makes it much easier than the mystery of allegory, okay? I mean, look at what each item represents. We have truth, we have righteousness, we have the gospel, we have faith. We have salvation, we have the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting because all these things are mentioned together in Ephesians chapter 1, back at the start, from verse 13 to 15. They're all grouped together. And if you could describe this armour in one word, I wonder what word it would be. Is this armour of God, is it not the gospel? All the pieces are different aspects of the gospel, truth, righteousness, the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the spirit. All are different perspectives of the good news that Christ has come and died for us on the cross and he's raised again. And it's all given to us from God. It is a gospel that is to cover us from head to toe. It's equipment that helps us to engage in the mess of life. And all we need to do is to wear it and to stand firm. We've already heard in Ephesians that Paul has mentioned uh, that we need a new wardrobe. We need to take off the old self. And we need to put on the new man, so to speak. We did this uh, two or three weeks ago. We're to clothe ourselves with Christ. And here he is again, giving this strong, powerful, 
protective armour and he's saying clothe yourselves with it. This is the very power of God. Here is the very power of the gospel. It's not many things. This is really just one thing, the full armour of God. So clothe yourselves with it. Clothe yourselves head to toe with the gospel. Head to toe with the message of the good news. Head to toe with the message of salvation and reconciliation and forgiveness and grace that would so saturate our lives. Start to finish, beginning to end. It means, I think the encouragement is when we get up in the morning, this is the stuff when we wake, we are to clothe ourselves with. Start our day reminding ourselves with these things. Here's the armour that motivates me that I walk in. And so because we know the truth, we trust it and we live in it like a belt. It is secure. We live in righteousness where we live godly, upright lives. Where the nature of Christ lives in us and through us. Uh, Faith, which is unmovable and like a shield, impenetrable. The spirit that speaks to our hearts through the word and reminds us again of what is true and the salvation, which is our crowning joy. Here are the clothes that shape us, that shape our view of others. This is the armour that forms what I speak about and what I think about. This is the equipment that determines our attitudes to money and possessions, the stuff that helps me determine how I spend my time. And so, of course, a question then must be for us, how is the gospel then at work in our life, in your life, as we clothe ourselves with these truths? How is the gospel at work in your life? Or we could come to our vision as a church. Are you growing in Christ? It's the same question. How is the gospel shaping your relationships? When people disappoint us and rattle us and confuse us, is it the gospel, that rule, that outlook, is that thing, is it that thing that isn't going to allow you to fall into anger and bitterness? but instead enables you to stand firm, acting with grace and charity and giving people the benefit of the doubt with patience and love, looking for the good instead of assuming the bad. Satan's game is to focus on the negative. He feeds our insecurities and he loves it when we accuse and when we play the blame game. And Paul is telling us, put on the armour. Be this person clothed with grace. And so when Paul tells us to put on the full armour of God, he is telling us to stand firm in the gospel. Don't abandon the gospel. Don't wander from the gospel. Surround yourself in what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's the gospel that binds the devil. The Bible 
calls Satan a liar, a tempter, an accuser. He tempts us into sin by lying to us. And when we fall for his lies, he stands before God and he accuses us. And so, of course, the gospel then, as he stands to accuse us, robs him of his power. Satan can accuse us before God until he's blue in the face, can't he? But when we are in Christ, we know we are forgiven and we are reconciled with God and so we find our identity there. And that's why the devil hates the gospel, because it cuts his legs from under him and he will do anything to lure us away from it. And Paul knows this, so he warns his readers and he warns us to stand firm in the gospel. But notice he also tells them to pray, verse 18. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that's Paul, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, is in jail. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Here's the last thing, the importance of prayer. When we're in a spiritual battle, it is absolutely absurd not to stay in touch with our commander and chief. And so we need to be praying. We need to pray for our non-Christian friends and family who are still dead in their sins and far away from God. We need to be praying for them. We need to pray for those who buy the devil's schemes, who buy the idea that the gospel is nonsense. We need to pray for them that God will release them by revealing the mystery of the gospel. And we pray in the spirit. See verse 17. We uh, we pray in the spirit. And what does that mean? Verse 17 tells us that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. So there's no mystery here. If the word of God is a sword of the spirit, then to pray in the spirit is to pray gospel-centered prayers. Prayers that are consistent with the scriptures. Prayers that we've already looked at in Ephesians, in chapters 1 and 3 particularly. And if that's new information, well, I encourage you to go and read chapters, read Ephesians again and see these gospel-focused prayers. It is to pray in the spirit, it is to pray in a way that is consistent with the scriptures. And so Paul tells them, verse 18, to keep on praying, to be alert and to be ready. And this is what Paul is all about. He asks for words. He asks of all people for fearlessness. He asks, pray for me as, as Christ's ambassador in the world. And if Paul needs that prayer, how much more do we need that prayer? The encouragement to be fearless in making known the wonder of the gospel to those around us. Uh, We have an opportunity, the men of this community, with a curry night that's coming up. Gus Robinson's going to come and he'll he'll preach the gospel uh, as a very simple way. We need to be praying that we too would be fearless 
Just in extending an invitation. That's not hard, is it? Hey, you want to come to the pub for a curry? A guy's going to give a talk. That's not hard. Uh, we need to be fearless. Uh, Jerry Bridges is a prolific Christian author. And he says that Christians never tire of hearing the gospel. The encouragement is to remind ourselves of it every day. And so whatever situation we are in at the moment, whatever the battle is that we face, whatever heartbreak or hurt or disappointment or big decision, the invitation is to look again at the cross of Jesus and to remember his great love for you and may his love for us, his grace and forgiveness, the gospel, may that shape everything that we're about. Remember the gospel. Clothe yourself in it. Live it. Pray it. And as we do, may Jesus be glorified through his church. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Amen.